0: Less than three weeks ago, though it seems far longer, I was sitting in meditation at Asilomar State Beach on California's Monterey Peninsula. As I sat on a rock jutting into the Pacific, the scene before me was one of spectacular beauty. Ocean waves crashed all around and just beneath me. As soon as I closed my eyes, my first thought was, wow, this sounds exactly like ocean waves crashing in the white noise app on my smartphone. (laughs) Be here now, the sages tell us, such a simple precept so hard to observe. Given the weather around here lately, what masochist would want to be here now? Two weeks ago, I was at the San Francisco airport desperately trying to return to Boston. I'll repeat that. I was in California. (laughs) I was in California desperately trying to fly to Boston, where as we all know, everybody was wishing they were in California. (laughs) There really is no place like home. It was time for me to come home. I was in California for the Unitarian Universalist Ministers Association Institute for Excellence in Ministry. Can you tell? Do you feel the excellence? There was definitely a lot of excellence there. I was deeply privileged to experience a seminar led by Joanna Macy, the legendary eco-philosopher and activist. And I got to hear my friend Jackie Lewis preach. Jackie is the amazing senior minister of Middle Collegiate Church in New York City, an intentionally multiracial, multicultural, justice-making congregation that's a tremendous inspiration to us here at First Parish in Cambridge. Their slogan is love, period. I love that. Love, period. Jackie took as her text, Christian preachers do that, you know? They, They take a text from scripture and they preach on it. What a concept. Anyway, Jackie took as her text the book of Exodus, chapter three, when God speaks from a burning bush and informs Moses that he is indeed the man, the man to lead his people from bondage in Egypt to liberation in the promised land. Now, Jackie did a much better job of telling the story than I possibly can. So I'll just say that Moses was not happy to hear this. This was not the gig he signed up for. And he was scared. Who wouldn't be? There's a bush on fire but not consumed, and the voice of God is telling you, you have to start a revolution. Poor Moses, Jackie said, called, terrified, resistant, overwhelmed. Now, somehow, Moses had the presence of mind to ask God, what is God's name? You'd think the burning bush that's not consumed and the voice would be enough. But no, Moses wants ID. (laughs) And God answers, Yahweh. At least that's how it's usually pronounced these days. Some pronounce it Jehovah. The Hebrew letters are Eyeh. Asher Eye. Eyeh. Asher. Eye. For thousands of years, rabbis and theologians and scholars have argued over what those three words mean. The literal translation is, I will be what I will be. It's often rendered as I am that I am. Jackie Lewis has a rabbi friend who offers this translation, I will be who I am about to become. I will be who I am about to become. That's how I feel about this congregation that I love so much we will be who we are about to become. We are loved. We are free. And we are called. Loved is first and most important. Love, period. You don't have to try so hard. You don't have to give it all away. You just have to get up, get up, get up, get up. You don't have to change a single thing. Love, period. We are free. Free to find our own path. Free from dogma. Free from idolatries of mind and spirit. And if we are free from, we are also free to. free to think, free to speak, free to act, free to change. Like Moses, we are called to make revolution, to turn over ourselves and the world, to make things new. What could be more terrifying? The work of transformation is hard. It is challenging and it never ends. But we have come so far together. We will be who we are about to become. How could we tire of hope, demands the poet Marge Piercy. We have only just begun to imagine justice and mercy We have only begun to know the power that is in us if we would join our solitudes in the communion of struggle. So much is unfolding that must complete its gesture. So much is in bud. Think of what could flower right here and in the larger community if we give as generously as we dream. This year, the Stewardship Committee hired a consultant to help us think clearly and creatively about our resources and our potential. Here, in his words, are some of the strengths he found here. Radical acceptance, trust, caring community, bold leadership, diverse religious traditions, learning from each other, wonderful sunday services deep sharing fantastic religious education willingness to learn reliable consistent volunteers fantastic choir pastoral support he was impressed by our clear and focused strategic plan our collaboration with community organizations our hosting pain senior services and tuesday meals our progress in increasing our diversity he also noted that our annual pledging accounts for only 35% of our operating budget, when the recommended percentage is 50 to 80%, and that our present income from pledging is insufficient to fund the recommendations of our own strategic plan. Think what we could do with more giving. We could make this pulpit fully accessible to all. We could have air conditioning in the meeting house. I know it's hard to think about right now, (laughs) but it gets so beastly hot here in the summer that some folks physically cannot be with us, which I think is unconscionable. We could hire the space planning professional recommended by our strategic plan to help us get the best use out of our current space and modify it to better advantage. We could provide our hard-working volunteers with the clerical and administrative support they need and deserve. We could subsidize congregants who need financial support to attend Unitarian Universalist conferences, workshops, trainings, general assembly, and our own fall retreat at Ferry Beach so we can tear down barriers of income and class that keep us from being the truly inclusive community we want to be. We could have more guest musicians, more Gospel Sundays, maybe even a house band to rock this joint. We could hire an attendant to let people into the building at night so we wouldn't worry that our own volunteers are gonna be locked out of their own church, which happens a lot. We could offer workshops, not just for ourselves, but for our neighbors on challenging racism and sexism and classism and ableism and homophobia and transphobia and all the linked oppressions that hold us back. We could hire a second minister a minister of color, Latino, Latina, or multiracial, someone to break the hegemony of white professional ministry here, to challenge me and keep me honest, a consistent leader to incorporate their culture and tradition into our worship and religious life. A second minister could lead our covenant groups, provide more pastoral care, and visit more homebound elders who miss their connection with this congregation. So, you know, after the departure of the Reverend Lilia Cuervo, we were all set to go in search for another minister, and the finance committee said, slow down, cowboy. Show us the money. A reasonable request. So let's show them the money. Six years ago, when we joined the Unitarian Universalist Association's Diversity of Ministry initiative, this congregation stepped up. Within three weeks, you raised $175,000 to support both a second minister and a three-quarter time director of religious education. Now that money was supposed to be a bridge to an expanded stewardship base. In the years since, our membership has grown and we've substantially increased our stewardship income but not enough to support two ministers and a director of religious education, which this congregation needs and deserves, we've got to step up again. Like a lot of you, I support many good causes besides First Parish in Cambridge. So I donate a half-tithe, 5% of my income, to First Parish and another 5% to other organizations and campaigns. Actually, this year, I'm donating over 6% of my income to First Parish because I want to increase my last year's donation by 10%. Some of you make a lot more than I do. Some of you make a lot less. Can you donate 2% of your income to First Parish? Can you donate 5% or 10%? Our fair share guide that Jenny mentioned, will help you determine the level of support that best expresses your own level of commitment to First Parish. No matter how much or how little your income, we invite you to give a percentage that reflects your relationship with this community. So many of us come here for the community, the sense of connection and camaraderie with other human beings. But community is not just in the present. Community extends into the past and into the future. We owe our ancestors faithfulness to their boldness, their vision. And we owe our descendants our own boldness and vision. The journey to beloved community is long and winding. It's not an easy path. Many of us here have been on it for years. It's understandable that some of us might be tired. Cansado del camino. As a young man, the poet David White felt so tired and so listless, he asked a friend for advice. Fortunately, his friend happened to be the Benedictine monk, David Steindl Tell me about exhaustion, the poet said. The monk answered in words that were half question, half assertion. You know that the antidote to exhaustion is not necessarily rest. Puzzled, the poet asked, what is it then? The antidote to exhaustion, replied the monk, is wholeheartedness. Wholeheartedness. Not serenity. Not total and complete satisfaction. Not 24-7. Excitement. Communities are not like that. Life is not like that. But when we give our whole hearts, to something or someone, we feel a shift in our soul. Let us be wholehearted in support of our congregation. Let us be wholehearted in our families. Let us be wholehearted in our vocations. Let us be wholehearted in our lives. Amen. Ashe. And blessed be.